We're middle of the res road. We're your hosts, Morgan, Ricky, and Alyssa. We're here to share the success stories of people who took the opportunity to join the trades and how these opportunities can be achieved by anyone looking for success. Our work may be seasonal, but our stories don't have to be. Become your own success story. Hey guys, it's middle of the res road again. Um, this time it's just me by myself. I'm a little nervous because we're doing something different t- today. We're doing a reverse interview with folks from Apex. We have Rachel and Ian here. Um, in honor of Native American Heritage Month, they are going to be asking some questions about us and what we do. And so it's going to be interesting. But before we get into that, I kind of wanted to do, since it's Thanksgiving, I kind of wanted to do a little this or that turkey edition. (laughs) (laughs) So, but first, um, Rachel, Ian, thank you very much for coming down and I guess interviewing me this time. (laughs) I love it. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So I'll start with, which do you guys prefer, turkey or ham? Okay. It's kind of a loaded question, but I got to say, if I'm, if I'm choosing like the cut for me, it's like all about the cut. Oh. So like for a turkey, <laughs> I mean, most of it is so dry and like tasteless, but like if you get like the wing and the thigh, that's, that's a money cut. The money cut. I yeah. like that. <laughs> but, but, in, but in reality, I mean, my real answer is like duck. Like if you're t- if you're saying ham or oh, turkey, I didn't know you were like that. If oh, you're saying ham or turkey, yeah, <laughs> going duck. He is bougie for sure, a foodie. I can't, I can't deny it. Uh, for me, I would choose ham, but with a little twist. We have a family tradition um, of ham balls, which is a blend of pork and ham rolled into like a meatball with a glaze, and that's our that, favorite. That's weird. It's so good. Don't judge it until you've had it. <laughs> it can't be that weird. I mean, well, I'm thinking about it. No, I think I think it could rock. Challenge accepted. I'm into it. We'll do a taste test sometime. Food what, off. What do you, what yeah. do you th- what do you think? For me, I also agree with you, but I don't call it money cut. <laughs> um, uh, it depends on how the turkey is prepared. Yeah. Um, sometimes you can get the really really juicy turkeys, and fall off the bone delicious other times it it is like you said dry yeah. uh i prefer the turkey skin yeah oh well yes yes certainly over turkey skin over turkey what about gravy to gravy or not to gravy 100 percent gravy for me it depends i like the beef gravy on the turkey that sounds great. Mm-hmm. I will say I have a, I have a, actually some professional experience. I have some professional gravy experience. Actually, I don't think wow. Rachel even you know about no, this I about don't. me. I've spent maybe six summers in a row over for the Minnesota State Fair working at Duke's Poutine. So kind of a family friend started this this booth at uh, at the State Fair, and it's it's amazing. So do you do you know Ricky? Do you know what poutine is? Yeah. Is that the stand with like the cartoon Mounties? Yes. Oh my God. That's I'm right. getting there. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I maybe made your poutine. <laughs> so that, that was like, that's like a really fun operation. I mean, just working at the state fair for a couple of weeks, but poutine is just an amazing product. You mean, Rachel, you, you know what? 
poutine is? Um, isn't it like kind of this gravy slash cheese slash over tater tots? It's it's f- traditionally it's fresh cut French fries. Okay. With a gravy and under cheese curds, fresh oh. cheese curds, not fried. Oh. But you can do like any kind of gravy and form of potatoes really it's great if you're hungover we need yeah. a potluck <laughs> i've yeah. decided we need a middle of the res road potluck i'm in yeah i'll, yeah. I'll make some clear, poutine. clear the mics off clear the mics <laughs> set the table but at duke's poutine that's turkey gravy and so oh I okay a lot of turkey gravy in my life yeah i've eat i usually get that every time i go mm-hmm. it's, it's delicious yes. sounds so good right now apple pie or pumpkin pie mm. apple Here's where I'm going to say it depends. Are we talking about a crumble crust or a traditional crust on the apple pie? Jeez, you guys. I didn't know there were so many different ways you can oh, eat yeah. food. I, I, <laughs> I, I work to eat. I live to eat. That's, that's my life. Let's say yes on the crumble. Okay. And then how I'd answer then is actually I'd have one slice of each. Okay. I'm going full apple, and but it can't be a crumble. It's got to be like full lard. Cover like crust, <laughs> super flaky, super buttery. Yeah, I'm Full going works. with whipped cream yeah. with pumpkin pie on top. That's fair. Whipped cream mm. with pumpkin pie on, on top, yes. just like a shaving of <laughs> <laughs> pumpkin pie on top of the whipped cream. I'm with you though. A huge mounds of whipped cream. Yes. That's that's a meal. I mean, we're talking fresh whipped like cream, and where you make it homemade with you know the whisk and the sugar, right? We're not talking cool I, whip. I do. I don't. I don't discriminate. I'm oh. whipped not creams. that fancy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the ready whip. Just, just the it's cool good. whip. That's right, fine. <laughs> fine with me. <laughs> I love it. Big Thanksgiving gatherings or small, intimate, like close family. That's a great question. Um, I'll say. I mean, we. Everyone in the world learned a lot about themselves and others over the pandemic. Yes. But I'll say my partner and I, we really, 2020, we, 2020 and 2021, we really appreciated those Thanksgivings and Christmases <laughs> just by ourselves. That was very, very nice. I mean, I love my family, love our family and friends, but man, there was, there's something to that, you know? There's a certain magic with big families. Mm-hmm. Um, during the pandemic, we actually... Didn't make a turkey or a ham. I did a roast because I don't like either. I don't really oh. like turkey or ham. Yeah. So I made a roast, like, I guess from scratch. Even the little sauce that you put into it, I made it Like a scratch. beef, like a ribeye or something like that? Yep, chuck roast. Nice. Yep. And it was phenomenal. I think if I ever were to do a more intimate Thanksgiving, I think I would do a roast again. That sounds amazing. It does sound good. With, like, roasted vegetables around yep. it. Oh. How about you, Rachel? Um, you know, it eb- it's ebbed and flowed over the years. Sometimes it's been a larger gathering, and then sometimes it's smaller. Um, when my kids were little, like, it was super fun. There was, like, a, a bigger kind of extended family gathering that was fun, and it was fun to watch the little kids, you know, play and, and be with their cousins and everything like that. And now it seems like... Um, the Thanksgivings have gotten a little smaller. Like my girls are adults and they can't always attend the Thanksgiving because of, you know, work or being somewhere else. So it just depends. I like them both. It's kind of nice to have a variety. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mean, I will say I, I do 
in my later years here, I enjoy um, my my partner and I's Thanksgiving tradition, which is uh, as I'm I, I don't know if I mentioned on the on the mic yet, but it's just my partner's birthday, so Thanksgiving's always about her and her family, because you know we we don't get to Alexandria, Minnesota very often, but um, every year we have a a full family wide well twenty one over of course uh, beer pong tournament. And oh, like, okay. I mean, like a real tournament. There's like a round robin style, <laughs> and you don't get to pick your teams, and it's, it's serious stuff. So that's that's how I spend my Thanksgiving afternoons. That's a unique lately. tradition. Yeah, most people yep. watch football. Yeah. <laughs> oh, football's on somewhere in the corner, but <laughs> the beer pong is the main mm-hmm. focus, mm-hmm. right? What do you prefer, Ricky? Um, like you said, Ian, there's a certain magic with big family gatherings and so I think I would have to go that route too but I don't know it's kind of weird because before I met Alyssa I would just work Thanksgiving so I don't know I never really celebrated Thanksgiving until seven years ago or so but Mm -hmm. I do like the big family gatherings Mm -hmm. (laughs) so before you guys interview me I do want to know what what's apex Great question, Ricky. So APEX is an acronym. It stands for Area Partnership for Economic Expansion, and we're an economic development organization. What's unique about APEX is that we're a private sector-led economic development organization. Uh, We realize that we can't rely on government alone to do economic development in our communities, in our state. And so businesses um, contribute to our organization in order to together um, ensure progress and prosperity in our region. Yeah, I mean, what's what our membership really looks to us to do is to expand the economy through business attraction and business expansion. So that's our that's us marketing our region for. Um, industries that we see the ability to grow in uh, in our region, which is Northeast Minnesota, Northwest Wisconsin, a ten county region, um, and and we are a nonprofit, um, and our our investors look to us to help um, create uh, a more rich economic environment. Absolutely, and really to improve the business climate as well. You know, sure. And what do you what do you guys do for what are your positions? Sure. I was recently brought on as the new president and CEO of Apex. And uh, Ian has been on the Apex team um, for almost 10 years. Running on 10 years uh, in 2023. I started as an intern um, in uh, 2013. And so this will be my 10th year. And I've uh, rose in the ranks to uh, director of business development. Oh, nice. That's awesome. It's kind of a nice story. It kind of falls in line with, you know, some of the stories you've been sharing mm-hmm. on your podcast, you know, people coming in at the ground level and yeah, I, growing. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's something that, I mean, economic development kind of became uh, sort of, I found it as kind of a, a perfect melding of my background, which was um, accounting and finance and marketing. Um, but I also, I could not be an accountant. I was such a terrible accounting student. <laughs> <laughs> like I graduated and that's, that's enough accounting for me, but I was able to kind of leverage that and, um, 
find economic development as just uh, kind of a space that uh, melds finance, accounting, marketing, um, interpo- interpersonal communication, um, and it's uh, it's been a it's been a fun journey to uh, kind of ingrain myself into the into the business community of Northeast Minnesota, Northwest Wisconsin. That's awesome. All right. Well, enough of me avoiding this. <laughs> um, it's time. Da, yep. da, da. <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of curious on the interview that you guys want to do with me. So yeah. what, are, what are some of your questions? Oh, great. Well, thanks for letting us do a role reversal with you, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it. You know, we thought it would be fun to um, be able to do this reverse interview so that um, your listeners and and then our members can learn more about what you're doing um, with Middle of the Res Road, um, learn about what the goals are of the podcast and learn more about you um, and ask you some questions about, you know, your culture and heritage um, as part of Native American Heritage Month. Okay, let's do it. All right. So we'll start with, by asking... Um, tell us a little bit about how you came to start Middle of the Res Road. So, I mean, I don't know if you guys know this, but it's a kind, kind of a common statistic in Indian country that Native Americans have some of the highest unemployment rate in the country. Yes. And um, me and a friend of mine were kind of sitting around talking. He owns a construction company. Um, he was kind of curious, like, how can we get more people involved on like construction projects because you make so much money in the trades right now. And I kind of just shot the idea. I was like, well, what about creating a podcast where, you know, because everybody listens to podcasts now. And so, so I felt like that was a good avenue to get the word out that, hey, construction jobs are paying $30, $40 an hour, full pension. You can retire in 25 years and never have to worry about money again. And so... The idea was kind of a seedling from there, and then we ended up getting sponsored by some of these industry companies, and it's just grown from there. And it's crazy to think about that it was just from a just from a regular conversation, and now here I am talking to folks from Apex. <laughs> what What was it like? So just jumping into the kind of the being an interviewer is that something that you have done previously, or is it kind of like cold turkey going into it? Speaking of turkey. nice one Ian um gosh you know it's interviewing people was never something I thought I would be doing um before I worked here I was a blackjack dealer poker dealer pit boss it's like three things in one um at the Mille Lacs casino and I was perfectly content to just work there till I retired but it's not a Working at a casino is not a very good environment to raise your kid in because I worked nights. Right. I worked eight at night to four in the morning, so I was missing a lot of stuff with my kid, like school plays and recitals, and he was just growing up too fast on me, so yeah. figured I'd switch it up, and I ended up moving up here, and then that's where that conversation kind of started. So, Do you feel like your background, uh, being a blackjack dealer, like really, I mean, that's like a people business you are with regulars you're with like new people who are either you know they're at the casino every day or some people are just there you know just visiting do you feel like you kind of gained some interpersonal skills like oh 
for sure. I mean, talk about that. Um, so I'm naturally an, like an introvert. I don't like talking to people. And, but after working at the casino, like it forces you to kind of be an extrovert and cause you work on tips. Right. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to be like the outgoing dealer to get tips. And so it forced me to become an extrovert. And I feel like that's really helped me reach out and actually like talk to people instead of just hide behind I don't know, hide inside or yeah, something like that. But yeah, I feel like it's it's definitely helped me. It's taught me a lot. So um, you mentioned the casino at, in Malax. Um, tell us about where you're from and um, you're up how how it was growing up for you. So growing up, I was a little bit nomadic. I was born in Wisconsin and I lived there till I was about five. And then I ended up moving to the Mille Lacs Reservation, and I went to Head Start there. I think I went to kindergarten there. But then I ended up moving to South Dakota. I ended up living in Rapid City till I was in, like, third grade. And then I ended up moving back to Mille Lacs again for, till about seventh grade. Um, geez. <laughs> and then I moved down to the cities, Anoka area, for seventh and eighth grade. And then... I moved back to Mille Lacs from high school up until I was like 18-ish. But yeah, I've, I've moved a lot of places, but I do consider Mille Lacs my home. Definitely. I always feel like a super strong connection there. Even though I'm not technically enrolled in Mille Lacs, I'm enrolled in a tribe in South Dakota called the Sistinwapitinoyate tribe. And... But yeah, I just always feel a connection to Mille Lacs. Oh, how often do you get back back there? Um, I try to get there as much as I can. My grandma and grandpa live there, and my aunt and uncle, who essentially like helped raise me. But yeah, anytime I I can, I usually try to get down there to see them. And it's it's a it's a change moving up to the Duluth area, but it's it's going good so far. So what are some of your favorite um, traditions um, that you do practice from whichever of these connections you have with different communities? So I am Lakota and Ojibwe, but I was primarily raised with Ojibwe teachings. So for cultural stuff, I do enjoy going to big drum ceremonies, powwows, um, and honestly, uh, I've done like... I've harvested maple syrup before, and I've been ricing. I mean, granted, I was a lot younger when I went ricing, um, but doing that stuff, I haven't done it recently, unfortunately. I'd like to. Um, when my mom, di- my mom died when I was 15, so that kind of made me disconnect from the culture for a little while, and I'm kind of just starting get, to get back into it, but... It's it's hard to do just because there's so many questions and we have an oral history. So I usually talk with an elder when I can mm-hmm. to find out more information. But primarily I was raised by my grandpa, who's very, very cultural, very traditional. And he was able to teach me a lot of that stuff. Do you engage much with the tribal communities up here in this, in this region, Northeast Minnesota? 
I haven't had too many interactions with like the Fond du Lac tribe. I've talked to, I became friends with a couple tribal members and other than that, I'm fairly new. It's my first year here. Yeah. So I'm hoping to establish more of a connection with tribal members. When, when did you move up again? Uh, November, October, the end October of October of last, last year? year. Yes. So you did get, you get at least got at least one summer up here. Yes. I did. So outside of, outside of, uh, um, that, uh, how about just in general, what have, what have you been enjoying about the area? What do you, what's your son enjoy about the area? What have you guys been up to? That's a very good question. We do a lot of, like one of our favorite things to do is to go bike lake walk around Lake Superior. Beautiful. It's, yes. it's stunning over there. Um, otherwise, we went and biked Jay Cook through Jay Cook, and that place is beautiful. I just love the scenery and how outdoorsy it is up here. Yeah. It's it's definitely something I enjoy. Other things, um, your guys' movie theater is amazing. Yeah, which one? The reclining the, chairs, specifically? Yeah. The one in the harbor there? Yeah. The Marcus? One, yep. I'm there once a week. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, it's... I usually go there if I'm going to go see a movie. I know Cloquet has one, but I think they have yeah. the... They don't have stadium seating. Yeah, they don't. So... That's kind of tough for me. Yeah. You guys, uh, <laughs> you get out to uh, $5 Tuesdays? Yep. Yes. Yes. We're actually going to go see, I think it's the new Wakanda Forever. Oh, yeah. Yep. I saw that. And then Canal Park. I love, love Canal. But sometimes I spend too much money on it. Oh, yeah. It's easy, too. <laughs> so are you, um, I love it. So you've kind of got your... Your traditions, you're starting with your son doing the bike rides and in the movies. Are there other things that you're, you want to make sure that he learns from your culture, Ojibwe culture? So that's kind of a tough situation because my son, by appearance, is blonde hair, blue-eyed, um, pale skin. So he feels a sort of disconnect with his culture and... Like the kids at school, the native kids at school, they kind of pick on him, call him white boy, whatever. They don't, but they don't know that he grew up on a reservation. Mm. Um, so he feels kind of a disconnect, but I try to let him know, you know, hey, just because you look a certain way doesn't mean that's not who you are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'll always be, you'll always be a native kid, even though you don't look like it. Mm-hmm. But that's one thing that he's having a difficult time with. So we're kind of, baby steps from there yeah i try to teach him as much as i can what um how old is he now now he's 12 i had him when i was 14 oh he's, my gosh ricky yeah um he, he was born in february so i was 14 when he was born and i turned 15 two weeks after he was born wow I, yeah i definitely got started early but he'll be 18 when i'm 32 Oh my so gosh! I, I call it a win. It's a win because <laughs> yeah. now you'll get so much more time with him. Yeah. You know, t- active time, and mm-hmm. maybe you'll get to be a grandpa someday. Well, if he follows in my footsteps, I'll be a grandpa <laughs> next year. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what does he like to do in general? Oh, he's well. I mean, he's twelve-year-old, twelve-year-old boy who likes to play video games. He's on his Switch. Uh, he has a PS4. Sometimes nice. he'll steal my Switch, though. Yeah. So. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Usually if I can't find him, he's in his room. Yeah. I love it. 
Um, will you guys be celebrating? Do you celebrate Thanksgiving, Ricky? Um, honestly, I didn't before I met Alyssa. Uh, I pretty much worked. I remember one story that sticks out was a couple of, I used to run, well, manage a movie theater. And a couple of my coworkers were, showed up early because Thanksgiving, believe it or not, is one of the busiest days for a movie theater. Um, so we were all setting up and we were all done early. So a couple of my friends were like, oh, we're going to go have Thanksgiving, blah, blah, blah. Are you going to go? I'm like, no, I'll stay here and make sure it stays running and everything like that. And I'll go get my free meal that they have. And they're like, well, so you're just going to be by yourself on Thanksgiving? I'm like, yeah. They're like, well, do you want to come over to my house and you can have Thanksgiving with my family? I'm like, no, that's, that's your family. I'm not going to intrude. So, yeah, I spent Thanksgiving by myself with a free meal, just working. <laughs> My gosh, you've been working since you were young. I, you're such a great success story in what you've been able to accomplish in your life. And now what's fun to see on your podcast is a lot of the stories of success, you know. Yes. Um, and you're able to be a part of that with people. I bet that's a rewarding part of this podcast. Definitely, and... So I've been working since I was like 14, been working for like Mille Lacs had like a little summer youth program. And so I started at 14 at the movie theater and then I turned 15. That's when you can legally work. So they just offered me a position there. So I've pretty much been working for the band for 10 years until I came up here. And I've recently just started going back to school and getting working on getting a four-year so that's another thing that I also like to remind people on the podcast is you know it's never too late to to start doing something even though you feel like oh that that's already passed me by oh yeah that's a good message Mm -hmm. because life has uh the path isn't always a straight path no it's sometimes it's walking through a dark forest hit a couple trees and eventually you just got to keep pushing forward eventually you make it out that's a good analogy. We were talking about that earlier. Like, you know, one of the things we wanted to do with, you know, you on the podcast was, you know, talk about how do we make better connections, you know, with the business community and um, the business community within the tribal communities and how you start how you start that conversation. Yeah, it's it's definitely a hard conversation, but if you don't have it, nobody will. It's also a very, you're not going to know how to start the conversation, but sometimes you just have to start it, even though it might be, might be difficult, might be scary or something like that. But like you said, you're not going to be able to have those conversations. So is it as easy, Ricky, as just, you know, reaching out and making a phone call and saying, let's meet, let's meet and have a cup of coffee? Like, what are your for tips? Me, for <laughs> me, it is. I'm, I'm definitely an open book. You can ask me almost anything. Um, and I don't know, I honestly like doing this interview. It's kind of, it's a little nerve wracking just because I don't want to say anything that's like wrong or anything like that. But yeah, I mean... Like, for me, this conversation's a little difficult, but mm-hmm. I'm having fun with it, and I'm enjoying it. Appreciate that. I know. I think it's so interesting, and I'm just, I'm so impressed with, you know, you were a dad at a young age, and 
you know, so many people would probably um, not aspire and, you know, do the things that you've been able to do through, I'm sure that it's been hard and challenging raising a, a, a son, you know, when you're a young person, but you've persevered and you're such a, um, you know, an inspiration to others, you know. Well, thank you so much for that. It means That means a lot. Um, what in, basically, pretty much what inspired me to do that really was, I mean, we're going to unpack a little bit of childhood trauma here, but <laughs> my dad, um, he wasn't really around very much when I was little. And anytime I did go see him, we, he was a bit of a drinker. Yeah. So anytime I seen him, he was always having a party or drinking or so I just didn't want to be that person. Yeah. So that drove you to be a good dad. Yeah. It, it pushed me to become different and everybody needs a, a mentor, you know, whether it's a, a parent or a pseudo parent, aunt, uncle, you know, friend, to um to have a relationship with mm-hmm. yeah like my uncle i like you said my, my uncle i consider my father figure mm-hmm. it's sometimes i feel bad just because like my son isn't is never going to meet his grandpa mm-hmm. but at the same time i enjoy who i have become and yeah. i i definitely owe that to my uncle that's really cool. Family's what you make it. Yep. That's that's what I definitely believe in. So you started this podcast not even a year ago. And nope. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm interested to know like um what are the big what have been the biggest surprises as you've been standing up this new podcast, promoting it, you know figuring out who you want to interview. Has there been some surprises along the way? Yes, there definitely has been. It's it's a whole new road that I've gone down and I learn, I'm learning every day. And so every day I try to come at every situation with an open mind. But the hardest thing is exactly what you'd expect it to be. It's the outreach. It's getting the word out. It's, so getting listenership yes I mean, it's gosh yeah that's been difficult i mean we're slowly growing but it's still i don't know i'm <laughs> so i'm like why isn't it picking up why you know but have you been able to analyze who your listeners are um kind of so i use soundcloud to do the analytics and it doesn't like show you demographics it just shows where people are listening where so, are the majority of your listeners from? I believe it's Spotify. Yeah. Spotify's mm-hmm. it's, it's user friendly. Yeah, very user friendly. Um we're also on Apple Podcasts, but most people say that Spotify is way easier to use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got a question. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh every I'm listening to a podcast any day, any any moment where I'm not like talking at work or like talking with my partner or something like that, in the kitchen, in the car. What if you, if this was not the topic of your podcast right now, Ricky, and you had to pick a different topic to, you know, have a podcast every single week on, what would your podcast be? Oh man. Um, 
You know, I think I would do it on U.S. history through the eyes of indigenous cultures. Because mm-hmm. most people don't really know what has actually happened to the indigenous culture. I mean, did you know that there's a statistic of people, there's a percentage of people in America that think Native Americans still live in teepees? Yes, certainly. Unbelievable. Yeah. We were just talking about this, maybe just off mic, about how, I mean, public schools mm-hmm. and what they teach about, like, Native history is just, it's it's a travesty. Abysmal. Yeah, brutal. Yeah. I hope a lot of people, if they don't interact with Indigenous people, they don't really know the history of, like, what the U.S. government has done to Indigenous people. Yep. Up until, like, the 70s. Did you know that they were still sterilizing Native women in yes. the 70s? Yeah, um, I just, I don't think... Like, to Ian's point, we weren't exposed to the real history. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the assimilation efforts, like, throughout the 20th century, um, super violent, super deadly, um, just, like, tearing families apart. Um, And, like, honestly, I'm a super privileged person. So, I, in college, I had the opportunity to take Native Americans uh, in the 20th century and learn about that stuff because I didn't get that in public school. Mm-hmm. And, like, if people aren't, if, like, middle America or anyone isn't, like, actively reaching out to learn about this stuff, they're not getting it in, like, popular culture right. or the school system. And that's brutal. It's a tough It's a tough history, but I applaud you guys for, you know, reaching out to us and having an open mind and... It's, I always get into debates with people about, I don't know if you guys ever hear about it, but generational trauma. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. A lot of people like to say, oh, generational trauma isn't a real thing. It's, it's, it's fake. But definitely, I is. always tell them, come, <laughs> yeah. come down to an Indian reservation and you'll see what generational trauma looks like. No, Honestly. you're absolutely right. And, um, you know, your point about being open-minded, you know, coming mm-hmm. with a, um, an open mind and um, an open heart, mm-hmm. you know, and um, wanting to listen and hear and understand. Not that we'll fully understand, but to um, to want to learn, you know, about what, what happened and how that's impacting people today, you know? Yeah, and I mean, especially, I mean, if, if our public school system is just teaching about, you know, pilgrims and natives shook hands and traded maize and (laughs) stuff like it's, that's not, that's so unprogressive. And it's, I mean, I'm all for changing, you know, the, the scope of what a holiday is to, you know, native, uh, native history day instead of Thanksgiving or like indigenous people's day instead of Columbus day and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, you said it best. I mean, they they talk about how pilgrims and the Indians met, shook hands, but they leave out the smallpox blankets. Exactly. I know. So that's why we're in. You know, excited to come and ask you some questions because yeah, what definitely. what we want to be able to share more broadly is you know these this this real talk, this real conversation, and I think a lot of times we're afraid to engage in these subjects. You know, before we came in, our off mic time, we were kind of talking (laughs) and 
can we ask if you celebrate Thanksgiving? You know, I think we're, we're legitimate. A lot of people are legitimately just even afraid to start the conversation. And we're hoping that by um, having us on your podcast and um, doing the reverse interview would help to um, break down a barrier of being afraid to just um, Mm -hmm. ask questions. Yeah. Just don't be afraid to ask questions. And I think the best advice I can give out personally, I I mean, I'm not speaking for all indigenous people, but Mm -hmm. the best way to understand indigenous communities is to understand the history. Yeah. We are very tied with like our history, our ancestors, our elders, so we like we like to hang on to our history and our traditions just because we they were taken away from us for so long, and that's that's the best way is to just understand the history of why we are the way we are and like yeah. why we have certain practices and why we're kind of standoffish at first. Yeah, when the first time we met a couple of weeks ago um, in our at uh, at at our office, um, you mentioned we were talking about and learning about um, certain uh, tribes storytelling practices and how in some tribes um, you don't tell stories until there's snow on the ground. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I had never heard before. And that was super interesting. So, yeah. Um, Again, since the Ojibwe have an oral history, a lot of things kind of can sometimes get miscommunicated and, so I just wanted to clear that up because I was the way I was taught is the reason why we wait for snow on the ground to tell stories is because like that's when a lot of the animals that we have stories in will go into hibernation. Same with it's the same concept with like our our spirits, our great spirits, and mm-hmm. they all go into hibernation. And when we tell these stories, we don't want the spirits to think that we're gossiping about it, Wow. about them. And. So sometimes when like when we tell stories and like gatherings and stuff like that, we when we're telling these stories, we're calling the spirit in. Hmm. And towards the end of winter, we also tell the same stories to tell to send that spirit on its way. But most of them, they're they also go into their sleep same way an animal does. So that's when we tell our stories. So they're not we're not worried about offending them. Beautiful. So interesting. I love it. As you were um, describing that, I was like visualizing a bear, you know, climbing into its resting place for Mm -hmm. the winter, you know. It is so beautiful to think about. Yes. And like I said, it might be wrong. Some people might have different opinions, but that's the way I was taught. Yeah. And so you might hear a different answer from somebody else or somebody might comment on our YouTube channel or something saying that's wrong, but that's, that's honestly the way I was taught. So that's, that's how I go by it. And I was also told by an elder too, that just because we might have different ways of doing things, as long as we come in with that spirituality, it still, it still means the same thing on a spiritual level. Um, Ricky, what, what are your um, goals for the, the podcast in the next um, year, five years, what are your aspirations? It might not oh, necessarily man. limited to the podcast, <laughs> but not to put you the pressure on, but 
you know, what are your next goals? Look at how far you've made it. And now I'm wondering what, what's next for you? Well, honestly, I hope within the next five years, we continue to grow and we continue to become kind of like the center information center for native Americans looking for employment or looking to better themselves, looking to find change. Like, like you said earlier, it's never too late to start to change something to, so that's kind of my goal in the next five years is just to grow more, help more people and change somebody's life. How can we help you to achieve that goal? Well, the hardest thing is outreach. So So the best way is just to get the word out and support us in any way you can. Yeah. Well, I'll say, I mean, if, if we do one thing really well at Apex, it is have a wide and deep network. Economic development is so uh, interlaced with every single aspect of, of an economy. We need to know the people who work on utilities, transit, um, unions, um, city folks, municipal, uh, city folks, county folks, state folks, just people from all around um, every, every single industry. And so um, if we can, you know, we, if we don't know a person who could answer a question, we know, if we can't answer a question, we know a person who can answer that mm-hmm. question. And so I guess a question I have for you is like, ideally, maybe in one year or two years, who would you love to be interviewing? And because and, we want to help you try to get there. Ooh. You know, I think interviewing maybe like the CEO of, and it's going to be a hard conversation just because, I mean, it's so, com- it's so controversial, but yeah. I would like to interview the CEO of Enbridge one day. Is that John Cherry? El That's Monaco. Yeah, Monica, or or even John Cherry, who's yeah. CEO of Polymet. Yeah, that'd be that'd be an awesome opportunity, especially since like those are the, those are some of the jobs that are paying thirty, forty dollars an hour, but they're so controversial on Indian country. It's true. That brings up a, an interesting point. How has it been for you to put yourself, you know, you and your fellow hosts out there? Um, promoting industry that um, there's multiple perspectives on, you know, some of these industry projects that, you know, you're promoting and the opportunities you're promoting. How, how has that been for you? So I'm not going to lie. We have gotten a little bit of a pushback, but that doesn't really hinder us because we feel, you know, these jobs are paying $30, $40 an hour. They can literally pull you out of poverty mm-hmm. within one generation. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that should be highlighted because, you know, it's eventually it'll turn into a missed opportunity and we don't want to see that. And I feel like if you're involved on these projects, you can go anywhere, work anywhere, again, retire after working 25 years. I mean, you can have... If you like, for instance, if a construction worker were to start when they were 18, they could retire when they were, what, 30, no, 40-ish, 50-ish, full pension and never have to worry about money. 
didn't have a, a college loan to pay back right. necessarily. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we would just we just like to highlight too that you don't have to go to college to become successful in this one of the ways we can do that. And the first step is just having those conversations, you know. It's so controversial, but there's massive opportunities to be made. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, our state, you know, Minnesota in particular is such a is so rich in natural resources and um, can be part of, you know, climate solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, have you found that um, in interviewing some of the folks that have been involved in projects, industry projects, um, has have you found that they've, once they've gotten involved, they have a different perspective or that they're actually able to influence um the outcome of a project, whether it's like um, from an environmental standard observation or a cultural, you know, being part of the cultural surveys. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, I noticed there were, I've talked to a couple of people who were very much against like the recent Line 3 um, project, but once they worked on it, their opinion and mindset changed to, oh, I understand why these pipeline projects are needed. And, I mean, I do want to emphasize that, you know, these projects are, they are needed, but making sure that they're done in a safe and reliable way is also very important. And being on the construction side of it, you can see and verify and make sure that, these projects are done in a safe, responsible way and they meet all environmental expectations and everything gets put back the way it was once the project comes through. But yeah, I agree that being able to see firsthand is definitely a good way to experience, to kind of change that mindset. Um, Vicki, as you know, I was part of the Line 3 project Mm -hmm. and... um, you know, didn't have, growing up, you know, I wasn't, um, I probably grew up with the mentality of, of probably being anti-pipeline, but I found that once I got involved and started to learn and ask questions and participate in it, um, I had a different perspective. Like, the people that work on the project really care yeah. about um, the communities that the project's happening, care about the people, care about things being done right. Um, we have high standards, environmental standards and regulation in the state. Um, but if I hadn't been a part of the project, I might not have the perspective. I wouldn't have the perspective I have and now. Yeah, you wouldn't have known. Yeah, wouldn't have known. And that's, so my opinion on this, it's, it's a little, it's not your normal opinion, but I feel like maintaining our infrastructure, because, um, you know, the Green New Deal is all carbon neutral and um, electric vehicles by in the next 50 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. But in those next 50 years, we still need to maintain our infrastructure because there's still, either way you look at it, there's always going to be a demand for oil. There's always going to be a demand for natural gas. So maintaining that infrastructure so it is safe for the next 50, 150 years is crucial, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well well said. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, there's just, 
there's no way getting around that in every wind turbine, um, there are five tons of copper and two tons of nickel. Did you just look that up? I have it. <laughs> I have it on my Behind phone. Behind the was, scenes. This is provided <laughs> by an engineer. That and is so, true, though. There's yeah. The amount of resources that go into renewable energy is, is a lot more than what people think. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, our state has those minerals mm-hmm. that can be mined and done safely and be part of the solution to meet the needs of or the expectations of our nation and our world in terms of um, becoming a carbon carbon neutral footprint. Definitely. So, Ricky, um, I want to know, do you have a, a legacy that you want to leave um, for your son? A, a legacy? Um, I just... So, for my son... I just want him to grow up to be a decent, decent human being. You know, that's, I think that's the goal for anyone who has kids. My legacy is I would just want to, oh, make me think about it. <laughs> I want to be able to be known for somebody who always had an open mind and always helped other people you know and i want that to carry on for you know my kids kid, my grandkids all the way you know the next seven generations or so and just i just feel like we need peop- more people helping other people that's that's the legacy i want to leave behind i love it it seems so simple but yet who does it who's doing it right yeah well Thank you so much for having us on your podcast, and it was yeah. fun to learn more about you. Yeah, we're really excited about this effort. I mean, we want to help you guys promote this, get it around our, our communities, get to... Yeah, thanks for doing the, the role reversal. Yeah. Was, that was fun, actually. Yeah, it was super fun. I think, I think, and this is something we also talked about off mic, but uh, we want to get you guys at, a, at an Apex meeting, membership meeting, and have you guys do a live interview one of these days. So you listening at home, hopefully that's yeah. coming up in the next couple months here. That'd be and, cool. And Ricky's already identified a couple people he wants on the list. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Yeah. I do have a question for you guys though. Great. Um, what made you guys decide to ask about like interview me or, you know, just ask about the indigenous culture? like not too many people ask about our culture so I was just wondering why um well I guess I'll start you know I've had uh, the opportunity to get to know people in the community through my previous work and it's been such a uh, meaningful experience in my life you know I grew up in northern Minnesota but didn't have any connections to the indigenous community around me and um, I guess once I was um, introduced to a few people who then you know shared were willing to share their stories with me and make a meal together and do some things it just was um, such a powerful new um, new connection 
um, that I just felt really strongly about how do I, what, what role can I play kind of to play off of your, you know, what your legacy is, you know, what role can I play to further the conversation, to create awareness, to make connections, to make people successful. Um, I think just in general, um, that's what called me to, you know, come, come to you guys with this idea of doing the reverse interview to, to bring out some of your, um, you know, your stories and give you that opportunity versus, you know, you interviewing other guests. (laughs) Yeah, I would hazard to say that just in the general business community, there are not a lot of efforts made to have just a genuine interaction. I agree. Just like a P2P conversation. And to, you know, and I think maybe some of it is because of a fear of um, saying something wrong or not knowing the full history of of one tribe or one band or another. Um, and that might make people uh, hesitant to even try to break that ice. And maybe this is maybe our effort to kind of try to break that ice to the listeners. I definitely applaud you guys for stepping up and, you know, asking some of the tough questions just to find some common ground to establish a relationship on. Yeah. And I just admire just anyone doing podcasts. I mean, it's just, (laughs) I think it's a, I think it's a super cool trade and, I'm excited to see the the future of this and maybe be on again one day. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Yeah, I love it. It's so fun. Like, we just want, you know, to help people be successful, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And at the core of, of our economic development work, it's, you know, one one person at a time, plugging one person into a new job opportunity, helping one business get established. And if we can right. um, do that, with our friends in the in the tribal communities, um, that's success. Yeah, we want people to live here. We want people to stay here. We want people to. We want to be attractive as a region for people to move here and for people to raise their family here and have education, have the job, a family sustaining wages, and uh, yeah, we want this to be a a great place to live. Yeah, definitely. Especially here, it's yeah. so beautiful here. It really is. Well, guys, I thank you again for coming down and interviewing me and letting me ask some questions about you guys. Thank you, Ricky. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. we really appreciate it. <laughs> See you at uh, Five Dollar Tuesday. Definitely, I'll, I'll be there. Oh my gosh! Well, I <laughs> just do a group text, okay? I mean, <laughs> start the Apex Movie yep. Movie Club. There you go. I will be excited to try those handballs. You oh my gosh, about. the potluck! Okay, we've got some takeaways. We're doing the potluck. We're Res, <laughs> middle of the night. Res Road Apex potluck. I love next. it. Count on it. Oh. All right, guys. Well, see you all next week. Hey, Thanks for listening, hey, and we'll, we'll see you later. Hey, ha. Uh-huh.